0: Welcome. How's everybody? It's such a privilege, really is a privilege and an honor just to be with you guys here today. And um, I was actually praying for a word for the church about two weeks ago. And, um, you know, it says in in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call to me and I'll show you great and unsearchable things you have not known. And so when when it comes to going to some church, I want to really ask the Lord for a word and I want him to show me something that I don't have a clue about, but he knows and what he knows. You need and what I need and uh, as I prayed that I felt the Lord speak to me about Joseph in the book of Genesis and the life of Joseph and I began to think of Joseph a bit and uh, and how the Lord had saved Joseph out of a time of slavery and how he put him into a position where he could help others that were there was a famine in the land and I just there's a couple of similarities in Joseph's story. That, that apply in our lives as well. Um, there's four things that I want to just speak about briefly that we see in Joseph's life and in his story that's actually, that impacts us as well. And that's in our lives as well and that we can take out of it. But not only in our lives that know Jesus, but even those that do not know Jesus. So I'm just grateful what you said about, you know, as we get impacted, we need to also impact others. Um, so the title is Food for the Famine. Food for the famine, and I want to say that there is a famine in the world. Back then, it was a um, it was a, a famine where there was no food. But in the world that we live in today, where there's a depraved world, and there's a world that doesn't know Jesus, there's a spiritual famine. A people that um, are more hungry and thirsty actually for Jesus. A lot of them don't know that they're actually thirsty and hungry for Jesus. They need to be told. You know, it says in Ephesians 5:18 that um, do not be Do not be drunk on much wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with my spirit. And in the world today, there are many people that are filling themselves with all sorts of things, except the Holy Spirit. So, you know, whether it's drug addiction, I come from drug addiction, or whether it's pornography, um, whatever it might be. For some people, it's gossiping, it's slandering, but they're filling themselves with all sorts of stuff. And Jesus, he's the answer, you know. So I just want to speak just a little bit about that. Now, there is a famine. First of all, there is a famine in the world. And I think as you look at these points in Joseph's life and how the Lord raised him up to be in the position to help others that are in a famine, I think what's going to happen is the Lord's going to just increase our faith a little bit. Increase our faith, give us a desire actually to see the lost come in
1: and just give us a stronger conviction. To preach the gospel, actually. Just like that, that, I forget your name, the lady that testified just now, but
0: just how a single word can change someone's life. It says in the Bible that there's power of life and death in the tongue. And that in the book of James, that just your tongue can start, a, it's like a little spark that can start a huge fire and burn down the whole forest. It can create such destruction, but it can actually build up people if we are willing to be there and, and, and in that position to do that. Amen? Cool. So just a little bit about Joseph. Um, First of all, the father of our faith, um, who is Abram. Abram is the one that God said, he's my friend. I credit him with righteousness because of his faith, because he believes. Just like that. You know, just the the ease of of, um, receiving salvation, the ease of receiving Jesus, is that we believe him. The word faith and in the New Testament means to entrust your whole spiritual being, entrust your whole life to Christ. Pursue is a Greek word. It means to entrust. When you entrust your whole, everything to Jesus, He looks at you, or the Father looks at you and says, I credit Him with righteousness. He makes you righteous. Amen? So, Abram is a father of our faith, and he had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. For those of you who were at the gathering last night, you heard a little bit about Ishmael and Isaac. And then Isaac um, had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And then Jacob, who became Israel, Had 12 sons and they became the twelve tribes of Israel. And the second youngest son was Joseph. And Joseph was the one that um, the brothers were very they were very jealous of. He knew that he was loved by his father, and all the other oaks knew it too. And they became and they became extremely jealous. And when I was thinking about this actually just again this morning, I was realizing, you know, us as children of God, the devil, the enemy, is jealous. He's so jealous of us. The last thing he wants it for you to tell anybody else or to bring anybody else into the kingdom. He wants them to stay in that place of famine. He wants them to stay hungry. He wants them to stay depraved. He can't stand it that um, more people would come into the kingdom of God, out of darkness, into the light, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with anointing, to be filled with joy. He's so jealous of that because he had all of that at one stage, and now it was all, it's all been taken away from him. So he's a jealous devil. Um, so his brothers Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites and he ended up in Egypt, while he was in Egypt he worked for one of the guys that was a high ranking officer and this high ranking officer's wife or mistress tried to seduce him he tried to run away and he ended up in prison, he was accused of attempted rape and while he was in prison he interpreted some dreams and Pharaoh heard about this and then Pharaoh asked him to interpret his dreams and when he did um, he realized that you know, this, there's something special about this guy, and he put him in a place of um, authority and power to bring about actually a salvation for many people. So that's basically his story. And then, yeah, because of God's influence and favor, because of his relationship and his closeness with God, God put him in that place. And uh, at the end, at the end, this is my, actually my opening verse, Genesis 50 verse 20, at the end when his brothers, came to him, and uh, they didn't recognize him at first. But he said to them eventually in Genesis chapter fifty twenty. and this is what we actually say to, to the enemy sometimes, to the devil, after we allow the Lord to do a work in our lives and to transform us and to bring us to a place of preaching the gospel and reaching out to the lost. We say, you intended to hurt me, or you intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good, for what is now being accomplished, the saving of many lives. Amen? So that's my opening scripture. And then, so this is Joseph that I felt I needed to just speak to the church about. And that in every one of us, there's a Joseph with a similar story. In each and every
1: one of us. And I think the Lord wants to highlight just a few points now. after I have a sip of water. There's a bit of a dry famine there. (laughs) You know, I think if you look at these points, it's
0: that God had a plan for Joseph. Four points. That Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph was rescued out of slavery, and Joseph was put in a position of power and authority to become a rescuer of people. And I just want to say that as we look at these, I'm really trusting that the Lord's going to um, just encourage us to you know, preach the gospel, basically. You know, to speak to people about Jesus. To tell people that there is actually one that can deal with the famine in their lives, with the emptiness and the brokenness in their lives. Point him to the one that can really feed them. I think it's in John 6, 35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me, whoever comes to me, will not hunger or thirst. So many things in the world, and even as Christians sometimes, there are things that we're filling ourselves with. I find myself sometimes having to just delete YouTube from my phone. Because I just go over and over these little clips, these videos, and I'm trying to fill that emptiness when, when the Lord is saying, no, no, come.
1: I want to fill you. I want to fill you. I'm the true bread that comes from heaven. Amen? The bread of life. Um, yes, yeah,
0: so God had a plan for Joseph. God's got a plan for all people. He wants everyone to be saved, each and every person. You know, sometimes in our Christian walks, we can become very selfish. And it can be, I'm saved now. I'm rescued. And I'm paying my tithes, and I'm getting a return. And I know how everything works in the church, now, and I'm doing very well. And I've got a nice new car, and I've
1: got this. And well, I've got Chevrolet legs, and they're moving. <sighs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I love that. But, um, and then we can tend not to look around and see
0: through Jesus lens the brokenness in the world. And I want to trust that the Lord will do something in the house today, that we will do that, not only by, we don't do it by sight, the Bible says, but we live by faith. Because if we're going to live by sight, we're not going to really see anyone hurting. Sometimes we need to just by faith
1: go to people and say, yeah, do you know Jesus? I want you to know that he's got a plan for your life. As simple as that. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, the Lord says, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no
0: pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And he's talking to Israel, but that's the, that's the word for all of us and for every person living on this planet. Turn from, turn from that. Turn from your wicked ways. And the Lord's, Wish that none would die, not one, not one soul. Every face that you see walking on this planet, that each one would come to, into his family. In 2 Peter 3:9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, each and every one. Lord, I pray that uh, that will be in our hearts. Even in the weeks and the months to come and over Christmas, that we would see that, Lord, that you want everybody to come to repentance, everybody
1: to know you. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know that the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope
0: and the future. And at the time, when that verse was given through Jeremiah, Israel was being sent into Babylon because they were naughty. They kept on going back to idols, and eventually the Lord said, I'm sending you into Babylon as a punishment. But I want you to know that even though you're going going to go through a tough time, my plans are still to prosper you and not to harm you. Even if you are going through a tough time, even if, I want to say that even if you've got some disease, where there's a financial thing that you're going through, um, God has got a plan for you in the midst of all that. I remember when my my sister Varenka, I'd just been saved, i just got saved. And she was my background. She came from drugs as well. My father was a drug addict and alcoholic. So I came down in the family. There's says in the Bible that there's a, it's a curse comes through the, the bloodline to the third and fourth generation. Um, Exodus chapter 20, the second commandment. And um, so that was in our family. And my sister was busy dying of cancer. And she was in the deathbed at my mom's house. And I went to her the one day and I preached the gospel to her. And um, she just burst out crying. And she said, Decky. I want Jesus to forgive my sins. And I said, Well, let's pray. And I led it to Jesus. I led it to the Lord. And one day I was ministering to her and she was on her way out. She was busy dying. It was being quite rapid. And I said to her, Varenka, I want you to know that God has got a plan for you. And she said to me, and she burst out crying again. And she said, Yeah, I know His plan is for me to die. Sure. I mean, she said that I didn't know what to say because that could just very well be. And a short while later, she did die. And the day that she died, I went to my mom's house where she was and the ambulance was there. And as I got to, Threshold to the front door, I felt the Lord say to me, I know the plans I have for her, plans to prosper, not to harm her, plans to give her hope in the future. Even in death, that she would be, that she would be saved and she'd be set free. Because he had to deliver her from the cancer. He was so into the drugs, I think she would have gone straight back into and she was on crack. Okay, and the same drug I was on, she would have gone straight back there and would have ended up in a pit. So I want to say that God has got a plan for all people, whether they got cancer or dying or um, whether they're out homeless got a plan for them he sees what we don't see amen he's got a plan for all people jeremiah 1 verse 5 before i formed you in the womb i knew you and before you were born i consecrated you. i love that that before you were even formed in your mother's womb god knew you before the person out that homeless person in the street or that person at your at your workplace that's always working on your nerves that's not that's not saved and always swearing and using foul language Before they were formed in their mother's womb, God knew them. He knew them already. And before they came out, he already set them apart as a prophet to the nations. The word prophet means one that's inspired by God, to speak of the things of God. And that's what we are, inspired by God, full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want to say that God has a plan for every face. The second similarity is that Joseph was sold into slavery into Egypt. Now, Egypt, as we know, it represents bondage. It represents being tied down to things. Um, I've named a few things already, but, you know, addictions, whatever it might be, that's a bondage, and you yoke to something. And I want to say that every person that has ever been born has been born into slavery, has been born into sin. Adam and Eve, the very first people, they had a choice. Our loving God gives us a choice always. doesn't force us to do anything, and they had a choice, and they chose to do the wrong thing. They chose to do the wrong thing, and sin came into the world. And therefore, after them, whoever was born was born into the place of sin. And then, from and now, we have a choice as sinners: do we come to the Lord, or do we not come to Him? And so, for the world as well, they've got a choice. They are all born sinners. It's as if we came out of our mother's womb and fell into Egypt, into bondage, into slavery.
1: Born sinners. Born, born to sin. In Ezekiel chapter sixteen. I was reading a while back. It says that when the Lord found his people, they were wallowing in their blood.
0: They were sick in the sin. And he said, but he took them and he washed them and he cleansed them.
1: And us too. Before the Lord rescued us, we were wallowing in our sin. We were so deep in our sin. That's the state of the whole world. Wallowing in their blood. In their sin. Broken, destined to be separated from God for all eternity.
0: Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But
1: the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for our sin. Psalm 51 verse 5, David says, King David, surely I was sinful
0: at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. He realized he was wretched. And he, was, he knew that even from
1: childbirth, he must have remembered back and thought, yo, all those things I did, he was born a sinner. I remember, as a, just to share my testimony a little bit, as a young man, I think
0: back, I was from childbirth, I was a sinner. I came out screaming and shouting. But I remember six years old, I was at school, and um, they called my mother to come to the school mother was in the early 20s, came to the school, and there was, on the school chair outside the principal's office, tied up in rope. And I was quite a rebellious child, and sinning from an early age, stealing, and
1: at, by the time I was 15, I was kicked out of eight schools and three boarding schools. At 10 years old, I started smoking drugs, I started smoking weed. At 12 years old, I started smoking um,
0: Mandrax, Methaculone. At um, 15, I was in a police cells for the first time for attempted car theft and then for motorcycle theft. I got seven cuts with a light cane. Back in the day, they could still give you corporal punishment. And um, went to the army, came out of the army, broke into houses. I went on the heavier drugs again. I landed up in prison when I was 20 years old. I did seven months um, for rob- uh, not for robbery, for housebreaking and theft. Um, I came out, met with my old friends again, back into prison with a nine-and-a-half-year sentence. Robbery, this previous bodily harm, and very—it was very bad stuff. And out of the nine and a half years sentence, I did four and a half years. I went in when I was twenty-two, and I came out when I was twenty-seven years old. So by the time I was twenty-five, I spent about one-fifth of my life in prison. I was in a gang in prison. I sold drugs in prison. Fighting in prison.
1: Broken. Uh, Just a famine in me. Just the emptiness. And um, I came out on um, parole in the year two thousand. No, sorry, end of 98. I was on parole for two and a half years, and
0: then I came down to Cape Town. I met my daughter's mom, and a later she became pregnant. We moved in together,
1: and obviously I wasn't saved. My daughter was born in 2003, and by 2006, you know, I was just so addicted to crack cocaine. I couldn't, every cent I had, just spent on drugs.
0: My little girl was three years older. I couldn't look after her at all, and my life was just a total mess. And there were times when I was thought of taking my own life, but I'd heard somewhere in the past that, you know, if you, if you take your life, you're going to go to hell. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It does say if you destroy your temple, but it's a different meaning there, but I don't want to preach that, but I was too scared, actually. But also, I had a little girl, and I was so desperate, and I had no one to help me. I remember going to psychologists growing up. My parents took me to psycholo- psychologists. I remember a whole team sitting behind a glass panel watching me as one was asking me questions. And I remember as a small boy, I was 10 years old, 10 or 11, just before I went to my first boarding school. And one of the questions that the psychologist asked me is, what do you like doing with your dad? And I said, no, well, I like playing chess with him. And I just burst out crying. And thinking back now, I think, you know what? I just wanted my father actually to love me. I just wanted to spend time with my father. And I never had anyone um, who could do that with me. And my father used to abuse me and hit me. And I used to see how he used to hate me at times. and so. This, this was the situation, and so here I am now, it was at the, 2006, at the age of 35, I'm in this drug house, living in a drug house in Brooklyn, and um, like I said, my daughter's three years old, I can do nothing for her, and it's killing me, and, and I tell you, I just wanted a normal life, I wanted to be able to go do shopping on Saturday, and you know, push a trolley around, get some groceries, maybe have a nice little car, stuff like that, but I just couldn't have a normal life, and I remember I'd been doing drugs the whole night, uh, smoking crack, and then for the rest of the morning, I wanted to come down. I took a lot of sleeping tablets. And I was up and then I was down. And then sideways. And I was just totally messed up. I was just so broken. And I said, God, if you're real. That was my cry. And I said, God, if you're real, will you please help me? Um, the next day, two guys, uh, actually a, a guy and a girl, they came to me. And they took me to a Christian rehab. And um, when I went to this rehab, um, there was a guy that prayed for me. He was ex-Mexican Mex- Mex- Mafia from California prisons. And when you're in those prisons, and if you're part of the Mexican Mafia, you have to kill someone to become part of the gang. And this is, is this guy's background. And he had his bandana on full of tattoos. And um, he prayed for me. And I remember after he prayed for me, I felt such a peace. I felt sure. there's some power going on. And I knew everything was going to be okay. And I went into this Christian men's home, and I stayed there for one year. And the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit. I began to read the Bible and be began to make so much sense to me. As I was reading it, I was like, Phew. I was like getting high on this stuff. It was like good stuff. And I think the Lord had to do that because I was so used to a natural, a natural high, crack cocaine. It makes you so high. But the Lord had to come and do something and give me a high for, you know, a high for the most high. <laughs> Just, uh,
1: yeah. So I was in this home and the Lord changed my life. And uh, so, uh, yeah, praise God. And so he, he helped me. Uh, And uh, in that way, that's the third point, that
0: Joseph was saved out of slavery. So the Lord there, he saved me out of slavery. You know, it says in Joel 2.32, it shall come to pass. I think it was mentioned earlier, was it here? It shall come to pass that everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I was in that drug house, and I called upon his name, and he saved me. He heard my cry. And you know, my cry came to his temple. It came to his ears, and he heard me reach down, and he actually he delivered me. And that's a, that's a cry that people need to make that we meet in the streets, people that are lost, people where there's a famine in the world. I had a famine for many years, emptiness for many years, and a hunger, and only the Lord could come and fill that. But I want to say that afterwards in that men's home, I left. And, uh, I mean, I was saved. The Lord saved me, saved me into his kingdom. But I left the men's home, and I left that church, and I got unplugged from that church. I got disconnected. And the Holy Spirit, I grieved the Holy Spirit by going to sin again, sexually, and with drugs again, and then just drugs again, back on crack. And at the same time, I heard of this church, Josh Jen, in Sunningdale. And I went through to Josh Jen, and I uh, saw the people there a bit weird. And, uh, <laughs> but I also you know, saw that they were, they were genuine. Because some people came to prophesy, and they prophesied about things you know, when I was a little boy. I'm like, wow. Peace, okay, Laws in this place. But I stayed there, and for the next five years, I struggled with drugs. You know, it says in the Bible that if the Holy Spirit's in you and he leaves, that demon that was, he comes back. And if it's empty, if it's swept clean, the Holy Spirit's not there anymore, he gets seven more, and the state of that person is worse. And I just went into such a spiral down. I've sold my little motorbike and pawned it many times. I was in the drug house, brook many times, and from the drug house, I'd go to church on Sunday morning, and just totally messed up. And then one day in 2013, um, I was in my mother's garage and I was thinking to myself, I've been in this church five years and I'm just in this circle of addiction again. And I thought to myself, well, when's this school going to come again? Where I know
1: that I'm going to just sell everything. Nothing I can do. Too strong. I just need to fill that hole. And in that moment, I felt the Lord,
0: just take that addiction right out of me. Boom, gone. But from the age of 10, Right up until 40, 2013. Um, He just took it away. I never did drugs again. He delivered me.
1: In an instant. Thank you, Jesus. But that's, that's the plan that he has for all
0: people. He wants to deliver them. Sometimes instantly and sometimes it's a process. Maybe also in your lives, in some of your lives, you're dealing with some stuff. I want to say for me, it was five years in the church. Holding on to the Lord, being accountable to leaders. And then eventually after five years. The Lord delivered me. Galatians six nine says, "Do not grow weary of doing good. But at the right time, if you don't give up, you'll reap a harvest of righteousness." So I want to say that if you're struggling with whatever it might be that you're struggling with, don't give up. Keep on. Just because you're struggling with something doesn't mean you're not saved. I was saved, but just very much not delivered in a lot of areas. But I want to say the fourth similarity that we come to is um, that God placed placed Joseph in a position of power and authority. He put him in the position of power and authority to accomplish the task of saving many lives. And I love how he says that at the end, and how we can also meet as well. I can turn around to the devil and say, you intended to harm me my whole life, but God intended it for the good, for what is now being accomplished, the saving of many lives. He likes to take our lives, turn it around, that we can be part of pointing people in in a world where there's a famine, pointing people to Jesus, where they can find true fulfillment and
1: true food, food that comes from heaven. Is for free. That leads to eternal life. Amen? So, um, yeah, I mean, after, after I was delivered from that addiction, I was still smoking cigarettes for a while. And the Lord said to me
0: through various Now that's something I'm going to have to put down. I delivered you from the drugs, but I want you to put, lay this down. You're going to suffer through it. I will show you how you must suffer for my name. <laughs> And so I eventually I did. I put that down and I suffered for about six months. But I, I remember experiencing the Lord helping me with the suffering. He didn't just leave me alone to suffer like I would have suffered. When I tried to give up in the world, I wanted to murder people. When you try and give up addictions it can be very hectic. But I felt His grace, His mercy come to help me through the suffering. But I had to suffer first. And then I was raised up to be a community leader. Then... And then I just wanted to serve the Lord. I thought, you know what? I want to stay out of trouble. I'm going to serve the Lord. I want to come see where I can help my elders. Every Sunday, I pack out the chairs. I just wanted to stay out of trouble. I didn't want to go back to drugs. And then all of a sudden, I was raised up as a deacon. (laughs) I was like, wow. I wasn't actually aiming for that, but here we go. (laughs) And so the Lord, you know, raised me up as a deacon. And
1: and then a few years later, in 2019, um, we had a potential elders time and one of the
0: one of the lead elders came to me to we be considering you as an elder i'm like sure <laughs> you've got the right guy here and um but you know it says in the bible promotion doesn't come from the east or the west but it comes from the lord he raises up one and sets down another but i want to say whether you're a, um, a deacon or an elder or a saint or, or a new believer and you've got saved just last week or just today god has got the same plan for you as he had for joseph First of all, he's got a plan for you. And as you were living in slavery and in sin, he wants to deliver you, save you out of that sin, and put you in a place of authority and power, which you have, actually. Want to go over that now? To be an influence to the people
1: around you. Be an influence that you can say, hey, you know what, devil, you intended to harm me, but God turned it around for the good, that lives can be saved. What I'm thinking of now is... To open our mouths wherever we go. It mustn't be. I'm thinking of the story of Philip, um, the evangelist, when he went to um, the treasurer of Candace, Ethiopia. Yeah. And um, when when the
0: treasurer asked him about Jesus, it just says there, Philip opened his mouth. And I think that's what we need to do wherever we go. We need to open our mouths and preach. Let people know, man, there's, there's hope.
1: It was so good, the testimony earlier on. Just simple things like that. Bringing the word, inviting people to church. Okay. Coming to an end on just these few verses, on on, on the authority and the
0: power that the Lord has given you and I, and that he has each and every person living on this planet. If we would come to him, they would come to him to be saved. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. I've given you authority. given it. You know, sometimes we say to ourselves, you know, should I go talk to this person? Should I tell this person about Jesus? Should I go preach the gospel here? And I thought of that a while back. in the wind. sometimes you don't feel it, especially when it comes to that crunch time and you want to go do it, like, I'm just not hearing the Lord here. But the Lord spoke 2,000 years ago, and he said, go preach the gospel to all creation. They already spoke. So we can't actually come with the excuse of am I feeling it? No, we don't live by feeling. The word says, go and preach the gospel to all creation in Mark and make disciples. He's already spoken. Go do it. I think he already spoke through Joseph, raising up somebody for a time of famine. We are in a big time of famine in this world. Ephesians 1:13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit when you heard the gospel and believed. You know, when we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and we believed that word believed again means to entrust your whole soul to jesus christ then when you do that then you realize you know what? i need jesus i am a sinner i want to walk everything he has for me he has got a plan for my life and when you devote your whole self to him he puts his seal on you the holy spirit that he sees that every demon sees every angel sees and that we see in each other sealed with the holy spirit and then accept one verse eight: you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be more witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. You will receive power. You will receive power. I actually want to pray for us just now. You know, in Acts 4:28, it says, Lord, consider the, the, the disciples in the book of Acts. Coming to a, to a close now. Um, the disciples in the book of Acts, they were preaching the gospel. Great things were happening up until verse 4 and then they were arrested and the enemy came in and tried to you know, shut them down in a sense. And their prayer was, Oh Lord, look upon their threats. And I think for us, to look upon the devil's threats. He right, like to come and intimidate us when it comes to preaching the gospel, reaching
1: people. Lord, consider their threats. And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Oh, cool. um, <laughs> as you grant your servants to continue to speak
0: your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal.